0: Amen. You can take your Bibles and turn to First Peter chapter 1 or chapter 2. And while you're, um, while you're doing that, let me just welcome again those of you that are visiting with us while wow, we, we're just glad you're here and you're welcome at any time. Everybody here, look around. Look around over in the venue. At one time, everybody was a visitor. <laughs> 30-something years ago, I was a visitor of this church. I didn't know the Lord from Howard Hughes. Never in my wildest dreams did I think I would end up here someday. But we're glad you're with us. You're welcome here anytime. We'd love to have you become a part of our family join us here. If you're uh, single, just quickly, don't forget we have our uh, single life event coming up with our comedian, Friday, February 17th. I guarantee you'll have a great time, guarantee it. You'll laugh. Uh, Susan Leonard, who oversees our counseling department here, she's gonna talk, and man, you, you'll have a great time. Why don't you step out in faith and invite uh, somebody who doesn't know Christ? Well, I don't know who that'd be, Pastor Rick. Well, I don't I, buy the ticket and trust that God will put somebody on your mind. Why don't you do that? Because I guarantee you, you'll be here and you'll, when it's over with, you're gonna go, man, I wish I'd invited so-and-so. And then for those uh, that are married, our married life event's coming up. We do these about every three or four months. Uh, we have Dr. Les and Leslie Parrott that are gonna be here. It's, uh, it says 60 bucks, and we told you that this month it was gonna be 60 bucks. We sold, I don't know how many tickets, over 400, I think. Today, you go out to the information center. Last time, it's 50 bucks. If you go online and buy a ticket, it's 60. But if you go out there, you can still buy your tickets um, uh, for, for $50. And once again, w- why, don't you, why don't you step out in faith and buy another set of tickets? And uh, when I was a kid, I'm sure none of you ever did this, but we used to doorbell ditch. You know, you ring the doorbell and then you run like crazy and then the guy opens the door. Uh. Let, me get, let, let me bring you back to your childhood. Let me have a little fun. Why don't you buy a set of tickets Take him to a friend's house and doorbell ditch him and leave the tickets on the front step. And trust that when they open the door and look down and open up those tickets that they'd go, whoa. And you pray that God would work in their hearts and that they would say, man, let's go to this. Why don't we go? There are people who would never come to one of our gatherings, never. But they'll come to something like this. And not only should we come to be encouraged and all that, but man, we got to think about those that are out there who don't know the Lord yet. And so, anyway, take advantage of that. Uh, the Bible says this in Psalms 119 The Bible says that your word is like a lamp for my feet and a light for my path. Isn't that great imagery? The, the, the Bible is kind of our guidepost to life. It, it kind of directs us in life. It's the GPS system, if you will, for our lives. It helps us to know what God's will is, keeps us on the, the right path. Which is why each weekend when we, when we gather like this, I take a small portion of the Word of God and, and we look at it and we try to figure out what God was trying to say to us, how it can apply to our lives. Look, when you read the Scriptures, you never want to ask, gee, what does this mean to me? Eh. Who cares what it means to you? It doesn't matter what it means to you. What matters is, what did it mean to God? What was God trying to say when he wrote this? And so each weekend, we take a little bit of the Word of God and kind of look at it and shake it out and unpack it and see how it might apply to our lives. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 4, he said, man does not live on bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Friends, the Bible is, is food for our souls. You see, this morning you probably got up and, I don't know, ate some breakfast, some cereal, or, you know, you had a bagel, or you had some you know, eggs and bacon or whatever, and that was food for your physical body. You needed that food to function throughout this day. And you'll need some more of that food, you know, at lunch, and you'll need some more of that at dinner, and, it, and it's food for your physical body. But if you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, the Bible says that you've become a new creation. The Bible says that God's Holy Spirit now indwells you. And you can eat all the post toasties you want, and that isn't food for the new man, for the spiritual man within you. That takes a different kind of food. The food that the inner man needs, the spiritual man needs, is the scriptures. Which is why everything we do around here revolves around the Word of God, whether it be in our children's ministries right now, they're, they're unpacking the Word of God in a context in which children understand it. If you came down here on Wednesday night when all of our high schoolers meet, junior hires, hundreds of them, they're, they're talking about the scriptures and how, it, it, you know, uh, what it means for them, what God was trying to tell them in their context. You come down here on Tuesday night, and there are, I don't know, 500 people here at Celebrate Recovery, and it's one of the largest Celebrate Recoveries in the country, and it's all about the Scriptures. It's all about the spiritual food that God left us, His, His, His Word. Now, for those of you that are visiting, we are in a series here where we're looking at the book of 1 Peter, and we're going to look at... Um, Verses 11 through 23 of the second chapter. So let's read it together, okay? If you have a Bible, it's in there. If you don't have a Bible, it's in your notes here. It'll be on the jumbotrons because we want you to see the Word of God for yourself, okay? Verse 11 says, Dear friends, I warn you as temporary residents and foreigners to keep away from worldly desires that wage war against your very soul's Be careful to live properly among your unbelieving neighbors. Then even if they accuse you of doing wrong, they will see your honorable behavior and they will give honor to God when he judges this world. For the Lord's sake, respect all human authority, whether the king is head of the state or the officials he has appointed. For the king has sent them to punish those who do wrong and to honor those that do right. It is God's will that your honorable lives should silence those ignorant people who make foolish accusations against you. For you are free, yet you are God's slave. So don't use your freedom as an excuse to do evil. Respect everyone, love your Christian brothers and sisters, fear God, and respect the king. You who are slaves must accept the authority of your masters with all respect. Do what they tell you to not only if they are kind and reasonable, but even if they're cruel. For God is pleased with you when you do what you know is right and patiently endure unfair treatment. Of course, you get no credit for being patient if you are beaten for doing what is wrong, but if you suffer for doing good and endure it patiently, God is pleased with you. For God called you to do good, even if it means suffering, just as Christ suffered for you. He is your example and you must follow in his steps. He never sinned nor ever deceived anyone. He did not retaliate when he was insulted nor threaten revenge when he suffered. He left his case in the hands of God who always judges fairly. Friends, that's just loaded with, with stuff. I'm never gonna be able to cover everything that's in it, but I do wanna talk about your integrity here this morning, okay? Look at verse 12 God fills our brother Peter with his spirit and has Peter pen these words. Be careful to live properly among your unbelieving neighbors. Be careful how you live. People are watching you. Dad, your family is watching you. Moms, your family is watching you. Grandma, grandpa, your family's watching you. Students, your family's watching you. Your neighbors, they're watching you. The people you work with, they're watching you. The people you play golf with, the people you play tennis with, the people you're gonna hang out with today at your Super Bowl parties, they're watching you. The people in your small groups are watching you. They're watching your every move to see what kind of person you are. They're making observations about your life and the question is this, what are they seeing? Isn't that a weighty question? What are they seeing? Now, you may not like that thought, but it doesn't matter whether you like the thought or not that people are watching. It doesn't matter, because they are. They're watching you. They're watching to see if your walk matches your talk. They're watching to see if what you say you believe in matches what you do. They're basically watching to see if you've got any integrity. Now, they're not going to say it like that, but that's the bottom line. Do you have any integrity? Now, why is this important? Why is it important for you as a Christian to live with integrity? Well, I want you to listen to what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5. Jesus said, Christian, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father." Um, you know, this is an important moment for those of us that are Christians that when we gather together like this, it's important to come together like this and fellowship together and together sing songs about the Lord and together, you know, remember his life and his death and his resurrection, you know, communion. It's important that we gather like this and worshiping through giving. It's it's important that we come together and, you know, hear the word of God being preached and all that kind of stuff. This is an important moment. But in a 168-hour week, it's only an hour and a half. The church will gather like this for an hour and a half, and it's an important hour and a half. God wants us to do this. But you need to understand that in, you know, 30 minutes, the church, you, is going to scatter. Right now, the church is gathered together. In a little bit we're gonna scatter and we're gonna to go to lunch. You know? We're gonna to go to Marie Callender's and have lunch. We're, we're, we're gonna go out to the you know, mall and have lunch. We're, we're gonna to go to our parties. We're, we're gonna go do stuff. The church is going to scatter and spend the majority of its time out there. On Monday, you know, some of you will go to work and, and you're, you're an attorney and you're gonna go down to the courthouse and the church is going to try a case. Some of you are salespeople at Macy's and as the church, you're, you're gonna scatter and on Monday, you're gonna go to the mall and there you're gonna be selling clothes, you see. Some of you are mechanics and, and on Monday, you'll scatter and, and you'll go to your business and the church will be changing a carburetor or tires or whatever. Some of you are long haul truckers and the church is going to get into a big rig and make its way down the 99 or down the I-5. The church is going to be all over, you see? We gather together for an hour and a half, but the church scatters and spends most of its time out there. And Jesus says, I want you to be salt, light out there. I want you to live in such a way that when people see you, they see your life, how you live. Wow! It brings honor and glory to God. As important as this is, and this is important, you're going to be here for an hour and a half. And you're going to spend the overwhelming majority of your time, believer, out there with unbelievers. And people are watching you. Paul said this in Philippians chapter 1. Paul said, Only one thing concerns me. What's that? Be sure that you live in a way that brings honor to the good news of Christ. And here's the thing, man. Uh, Here's the thing that concerns me, Paul says, our brother is that somehow we we live in a way that brings honor to Christ, which, by the way, if you boil all that down, that's what Jesus said the greatest commandment was, was that somehow we love God, we honor God with our lives, with everything we got. Beloved, as a follower of Jesus Christ, we're to live in such a way that somehow we bring honor to Christ. Now, Paul, who wrote that, didn't do it perfectly. None of us are going to. There were times in Paul's life when he didn't bring honor to God. You can read about that in Romans chapter 7. We talked about that a few weeks ago. But it ought to be a concern to all of us who name the name of Christ. That somehow, when we scatter, when we leave here in just a little bit, that man, we're we're bringing honor and glory to God somehow out there. Let me take you back to the... Very last thing I shared with you last weekend. Paul said this in Second Corinthians. Paul said, so we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. And, and, and listen, that's just weighty. That's just a weighty thought. And I know some of you, you know, are thinking, man, i got to get to this party. And some of you forgot, you know, the shrimp cocktail. And you got to get the Raley's to pick it up. And you got people coming over. And you got all this stuff on your mind. Just take a deep breath for a moment and just look at that. God said through our brother Paul, Christian, you. You're my ambassadors. That just just ought to kind of freak you out for a moment. Beloved, it's important to live with integrity because you're Jesus's ambassador and people are watching you. That's why it's important. Now look, I'm gonna say this again. My point isn't to beat everybody up in here. That's not my point. None of us are going to do it perfectly. We got the old man, the old nature, the Adamic nature, whatever name you want to give it. We got the flesh. And Paul said, no good dwells in it. None of us are going to do this perfectly. But I want you to understand what the goal is. Now, if you've got integrity, okay, if your life backs up what you believe, I guarantee you that you'll be a person of great influence. I guarantee it, because God uses people with integrity. He uses them. Now, 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 there are three things or three areas that tend to test or attack your integrity, and Peter mentions them. And how you respond to these three things will determine whether or not you're a person of integrity. And so let's get into this a little bit, okay? Number one, temptations test or attack your integrity. People with integrity avoid temptations. Look look at verse 11. Dear friends, I warn you as temporary residents and foreigners to keep away from worldly desires that wage war against your very soul. One version says, friends, this world is not your home, so don't make yourself cozy in it. Don't indulge your ego at the expense of your soul. Beloved, if something tempts you, I want you to get 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 your pencil out because what I'm going to say next is just deep. Get them out, click the pen on, find a paper right now. You're not going to want to miss this. This is going to be heavy. It's going to be the most important thing you hear. (laughs) If something tempts you, Christian, get away from it. See? Now you know why I'm the guy. Now. (laughs) It explains everything, doesn't it? Wasn't it difficult, Christian, to get away from those things that screw up our lives? Sometimes it's so hard, we'll screw up our our own lives, we'll screw up our, our families, we'll lose our businesses, because it's just hard to get away from temptation, isn't it? Easy to cozy up to crummy things that'll just screw up your life. There's an old saying that goes like this, if you don't want to get stung, you know, stay away from the bees. If if you don't want to get burned, stay away from the fire, right? A person of integrity, when they're tempted by something or someone, they get away from it. Or they get away from that person or whatever because they understand they represent Jesus. They're Jesus's ambassador. They know that people are watching. Christian, this world isn't your home, you're simply visiting this place. You're a temporary resident. You're a a foreigner here. Your real home, if you're a believer, is heaven. Maybe you're gonna be here 50 years, I don't know, 60, 70, 80 years, whatever. So don't get attached to this world. Don't cozy up to it because you're not gonna stay here very long. So when something comes into your life that tempts you to do something that would bring dishonor to Jesus, that would cause you to be a, a horrible ambassador for Christ, You just need to remember, man, this isn't my home. I'm just visiting here. And while I wait to finally get to heaven, I am called to live with integrity. I'm called to represent Jesus Christ. Look, would you agree that it's easy to get caught up in our culture? Isn't it? It's easy to kind of just go with the flow. I I mean, if you live around sin long enough, if you cozy up to it long enough, pretty soon you start becoming comfortable with it. When you start hearing someone cuss and take the Lord's name in vain, pretty soon you start thinking to yourself, you know, that doesn't bother me anymore. Christian, it ought to bother you because it bothers the Lord. In fact, he put it in the Big Ten. And let me tell you what the next step is. When all of a sudden sin doesn't bother you anymore and you, know, you hear all this you know, crummy language and, 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 and cussing and it get to the point where it doesn't bother you anymore, here's the next step. You now become the very person taking the Lord's name in vain. You start cussing and swearing. You start to use your tongue in a crummy way. And you are called To be Jesus' ambassador, he's saying. Or you hear enough dirty jokes, you know, pretty soon you start saying, you know, it doesn't bother me. Or you hear a racial joke, you know, it doesn't bother me. Christian, it ought to bother you. Because it bothers the Lord. And the next step is not only are you just listening to these, you know, Dirty jokes, racial jokes, or whatever. You become the one who starts to tell them. Or you get something on your computer and you forward on to somebody, and it's crummy, it's sinful, but it doesn't bother you anymore. It's easy because of our sinful nature just to cozy up to these crummy, worldly things. The Bible says that people are watching us we're, we're, we're Jesus Christ's ambassadors. People often ask me, Pastor Rick, what's God's will for my life? That's probably the number one or two things in my year, all my decades here that people ask. Man, what's God's will for my life? Well, look at verse 15. It is God's will. Here it is. Woo! that your honorable lives should silence those ignorant people who make foolish accusations against you. Beloved, it's God's will that you live an honorable life. That's God's will. And when you live an honorable life, let me tell you something, God will reveal, you know, other parts of his will for your life. God doesn't hide his will in a cave or under a bush. He wants you to know what his will is. A lot of times one of the reasons you can't figure it out is because you're simply not living a God-honoring life. It's God's will that we as believers are are ambassadors for Christ, good ambassadors for Christ, that we live with integrity, that our, our life matches what we believe. It's God's will that you're a, I don't know, a living, breathing advertisement for Jesus Christ at work, at play, at school, at home, at the mall, the golf course, the tennis courts, wherever. For some of you, look, you have people in your lives who would never come to this. They won't come. They won't come to the venue. They wouldn't come to the comedy night. They won't come to a marriage seminar. They, they will not come Which means, for some of you, you are the only Bible that some people will ever read. You. They know that you're a Christian, whatever that means. They know you go to church, you go to Big Valley, that's that God place down there. They don't know anything. They just know somehow you're a God person. Wow. This is weighty, isn't it? It's a sobering moment. You know, there are a lot of messages you preach and go through that, yeah, whatever. And then there are these moments you get to some of these and it's just, wow. I was just stunned a couple of times in my office this week as I was going through this, just, wow. The weightiness of being a believer. The weightiness of being a follower of Christ. The weightiness of naming the name of Jesus Christ. I want you to think about this. The world, especially, you know, the media is looking for things to find fault with Christians, right? I mean, they rarely, if ever, have any positive stories about Christians. And if they do have a story about Christians, they always find the one weirdo, wacko goofball who you just cringe when you see the guy on TV and you go, oh, man, really? At all, the millions of Christians, that's the one guy you found? And that's not on accident. So here's the deal, folks. We don't need to give the media, the world, any more ammunition, do we? There's plenty of wackos out there, nutty weirdos. Let's make sure that at least those that name the name of Christ here, when someone hears, you know, I go to Big Valley Grace, or I go to the well, or wherever it is you go, you go, wow. The people I know from Big Valley, they're not like that guy on TV. They're not like that guy. Look at verse 16. Verse 16, God wanted us to know something. He says, Hey, believer, you're free. You're free. You're free. But don't forget, you're also God's slave. Don't use your freedom as an excuse to do evil. Beloved, as a Christian, you're free. You can't lose your salvation. Okay, once it's been given to you, you can't lose it. But we're never to use this truth as an excuse to to sin. We can't use this excuse of, well, I'm free, man, that I get to go do whatever I want. Why? Because integrity demands that you don't. Yes, you're free but you represent Jesus Christ. You're his ambassador. People are watching you. You're free, but integrity demands that you just don't use your freedom to go out and do crummy things, sinful things, things that would bring shame upon the the name of the the Lord. Integrity says my life backs up what I say. Integrity says I'm an ambassador for Jesus Christ. Integrity says people are watching me. Look, if you claim to be a Christian, don't drag the name of Christ to the mud or just don't call yourself a believer. Peter says you're free. You're not gonna lose your salvation, but integrity demands that you don't go out and just live in blatant sin. So the first thing that'll test your integrity is temptation. The second thing that'll test your integrity is authority. People with integrity respect authority. (laughs) And just me saying that, there's many of you in here and over in the venue, and oh man, your flesh is just, oh man, this one's going to be tough. Because you're, you're the boss of your life, aren't you? No one tells you what to do. God's word says, for the Lord's sake, respect all human authority, whether the king as head of the state or the officials he has appointed. One version says this, make the master proud of you by being good citizens. Respect the authorities, whatever their level. They are God's emissaries for keeping order. Beloved, God has basically established four authorities on planet Earth. Okay, God established them. Number one is the government. The government oversees all the citizens. Okay, number two, the church. The church oversees all the believers. Number three is the family, and parents oversee children. And number four is the employer. Employers oversee all the employees. And how you respond to these God-ordained authorities reveals a lot about your maturity. Reveals a lot about your integrity. Reveals a lot about the kind of ambassador you are for Jesus. One virgin says, For the Lord's sake, yield to the people who have authority in this world. Christian, you got to remember that you represent the Lord. People are watching you, they're watching to see how you, as a believer, respond to the authority in your life, your boss. How do all the other employees, what do they see in your life when they all start trashing the boss or the manager and talking about how they could do it better and if they were in charge, they'd do it this way? Do you join in? Disrespecting the authority that God has raised up? Do you you jaw about the guy that owns the business or the gal that owns the business? How about the government, local law enforcement, police officers, how do you respond to them? I, I, um, I think when I was born, my right leg weighs more than my left leg. And then I think people sneak into my closet and they put metal in my shoe. Because for whatever reason, I just, I'm always pressing on that little pedal in my car. You know, it's down there on my right leg. And uh, there's always um, a law enforcement officer. It's weird. (laughs) I was thinking back to the last time I I, I got a a speeding ticket or I was pulled over. (laughs) And I, I see the lights, you know, I'm on Floyd, way down Floyd Avenue, and I'm going, oh, man and immediately my flesh does this. Oh man, I'm I'm putting my speech together. You gotta be kidding me, right? People are out there raping and pillaging and and the hell's angels are moving in, the gangs are taking over, they're selling dope and drugs to our kids and you're pulling me over, really? Please tell me you can't take this squad car and your person and go somewhere where there's real crime being committed. I mean, I got this incredible speech ready. And then you start going, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm the Lord's ambassador. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, Hello, can I see your license, please? Oh, I don't need your license, Mr. Countryman. <laughs> uh-huh. This is not good. You know, you were going pretty fast there. Oh, man, it's hard, isn't it? How about, how about your church authorities? How do you respond to them? Listen to what D.A. Carson Carson said, incredible, incredible theologian. D.A. Carson said this, Christians are responsible to obey the law. And the motivation for obedience is not to avoid punishment. It's for the Lord's sake. Boy, that that just makes it that much weightier, doesn't it? You see, we're to obey the authorities, not because it keeps us out of trouble. That's a Benny. But the real motivation is the Lord's sake. His name's at stake. You represent him. Dr. MacArthur said, rebellious conduct by a Christian brings dishonor on the name of Christ. Now, I want everybody to look at verse 17, just just real quick. In my opinion, verse 17 really could sum up the Christian life. It gives us three characteristics of a genuine follower of Jesus. Uh, Verse 17 says, respect everyone and love your Christian brothers and sisters. Fear God, love God, you know, and respect the king. Number one, a genuine follower of Jesus respects everyone. Prejudice is inconceivable in the life of a believer. There's absolutely no place for racism in the life of a believer. Everybody's level at the foot of the cross, everybody. Number two, a genuine follower of Jesus Christ loves Christians everywhere. Look, if you're a part of this family here, you may not like everybody, but God says, I expect you to love everybody. If you're one of my followers, Jesus said, if you want someone to know that you're really one of my followers, it'll be by your love for one another. And then number three, a genuine follower of Jesus loves God, fears God, and respects authority. And I want you to know that I had a hard time with this verse when I was studying it this week because I understood how evil the government was at the time that Peter wrote this. You see, when Peter wrote this, a guy by the name of Nero was the emperor. He was the authority, and Nero was without a doubt one of the most evil men that ever lived. He was literally insane. He slaughtered millions of his own people. He was pure evil. He fed Christians to the lions. He had Christians killed for no reason. Christians couldn't meet like we are right now. He was just a brutal man. He was a brutal, brutal man. Yet here we have Peter saying, honor the government. Honor the government. How do you honor the government, especially if the government is all goofed up like this one was? Beloved, you honor the position, not the personality. You honor the position, not the personality, but listen, but you pray for both of them. You pray for both, but you honor the The position. It's like honoring your parents. The Bible says to honor your parents, well, what if your parents were were losers? What if they were, what if they were bad? You honor the position, not the person. They may have been terrible, you know, at parenting, but at least God used them to bring you into the world. And you can now actually use your one life to be an incredible ambassador for Jesus Christ. When we scatter here in a little bit, your parents may have been total losers. They may have been evil and wicked. And I know, I I was the youth pastor here for 20 years. I met a lot of evil and wicked parents. But they had beautiful kids. Those kids understood that their parents may have been total losers. But God had used them to bring them into the world and they were loved by God, and God had a calling on their life, and they could go out and and be salt and light. They could be ambassadors for Christ. They could be used to to bring others to Jesus Christ. So you honor the, the position. Well, what if the government tells me to disobey God? Obviously, your first alliance is to God. Peter's not talking about mindless compliance here. Okay, I love what Dr. MacArthur said. He said, quote, Christians are to live in obedience to every institution of civil and social order on earth. This includes obedience to the national government, the state government, the police, and judges. Only when the government tries to force a Christian to do what is against the law of God explicitly stated in Scripture should he refuse to submit. Okay? Now, when you get to verse 18, Peter talks about the boss. Peter talks about the employer and how you're to respond to them. Peter says, you who are slaves must accept the authority of your masters with all respect. Do what they tell you, not only if they're kind and reasonable, but even if they're cruel. For God is pleased with you when you do what you know is right and patiently endure unfair treatment. Christian, let me ask you a question. What's your attitude at work say about you? I know some of you have really crummy bosses, I know. People are watching how you're going to respond to that authority. Other employees, even your boss. And who knows how God is trying to use you in the midst of all these unbelievers that you work with. Who knows how God's trying to use you in the life of your boss? God says, I I, I want you to be my ambassador on the job. God sees all the crummy things that happen at work. He sees it. He sees it all. He knows it. Christian, your integrity will be tested by how you respond to temptation Your integrity will be tested by how you respond to authority. And number three, adversity will test your integrity. People with integrity handle adversity in a God-honoring way. Look at verse 21. For God called you to do good, even if it means suffering, just as Christ suffered for you. He's your example, and you must follow in his steps. He never sinned, nor ever deceived anyone. He did not retaliate when he was insulted nor threaten revenge when he suffered. He left his case in the hands of God who always judges fairly. And this is a difficult one. Nothing reveals your character quicker than problems and pain. And here's the bad news. The craziest, wackiest, weirdest promise that God ever made is found in John chapter 16. Jesus made this promise, he said, Christian, on this earth, this side of heaven, you will experience trials and sorrows. It's the standard equipment of life. (laughs) This side of glory, man, you're gonna face all kinds of adversity, all kinds of suffering. It may not be the suffering that these people were facing here in, 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 you know, when Peter wrote this letter, but we suffer nonetheless. Jesus also said this in Matthew chapter 5. He said, God causes the sun to rise on good people, and God causes the sun to rise on evil people. God sends rain to those who do right and to those who do wrong. You see, just because we know the Lord, just because we are believers, just because we're followers of Christ, doesn't mean, you know, there's always this beam of sun on me and, you know, you dirty sinners look at you. You know, there's this rain cloud and lightning bolts. and No. God put us all here and he allows the sun to warm us all. He causes it to rain on us all. We're all going to experience problems, all of us, Christian. And when problems come, people are watching you. When, when you lost your business, people were watching. When you lost your home, people were watching. When you got that crummy report and you found a lump where there's not supposed to be a lump people are watching the world's watching you're Jesus's ambassador that's that's a hard one The good news is that God gave you a model of how to handle the suffering. The bad news is we're gonna suffer, all of us. God says, Jesus is your example and you must follow in his steps. Christian, Jesus is your model of how to handle suffering, particularly when when we're mistreated unjustly. He never sinned. He didn't deceive anyone. He didn't retaliate. When you look at the life of Jesus Christ and people are beating him to a pulp and people are telling stories about him, they're lying about him, he just simply left all that in the hands of God, which is just the exact opposite of our, our culture. In fact, if you're a boomer in here, which I am, we are the fight back generation, man. We want to get even, we want to fight back, we want to sue. In fact, you may not know one Bible verse, but man, you've got your attorney's number memorized. Any chance you get, man, Uh, John 3.16, yeah. Uh, Let's see, that's the God and the the cross and the parish, you see, Uh, Attorney's number? (laughs) 555-2879. Got that one down. Look, the world's watching us. People are watching us. You're Christ's ambassador. And when life kidney punches you, wow, look, look, just, just leave it in the hands of God. Don't go out and sin and do something stupid and retaliate and all that kind of stuff. Don't don't try to get revenge. Don't, Don't, Whatever, just realize that there's a God out there who cares deeply about you. This isn't your home. There's coming a day when you'll leave this place. That's our great hope. There's coming a day when all the wrongs that have happened will be made right. God will deal with it all. He'll deal with it. I love what one version, one version put, verse 23. Jesus suffered in silence, content to let God set things right. Listen to what Paul said in Romans chapter 13. He said, dear friends, brothers, sisters, never take revenge Leave that to the righteous anger of God. For the scripture says, I will take revenge. I'll pay them back, says the Lord. Instead, Christian, here's the way of the Lord. If your enemy's hungry, you feed them. If they're thirsty, give them something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals of shame on their head. Don't let evil conquer you but conquer evil by doing good. And one of the things that I often see with believers is some evil has happened to them. And what they do is they allow that to conquer them and man, they're just gonna get back. And The Bible says, oh, don't let evil do that to you. Don't do that. The way of Christ is you conquer that evil by doing good. You do good you trust that God's gonna take care of stuff. He'll sort it all out in the end. Now let me take us back to the beginning of the message, okay? Peter said in verse 12, be careful to live properly among your unbelieving neighbors. That's weighty, isn't it? We have to be careful. Now, none of us are going to do it perfectly. None of us. We're going to blow it. And this is a church that understands that we have this dilemma of the old nature and the new nature. And and sometimes the old nature gets the better of us. We we get it. None of us are going to do this perfectly. But we do need to be careful. We need to have in the forefronts of our minds that we're the Lord's ambassadors, that people are watching us. And it could be that here in a moment, you just need to go into the altar room and we have one over in the venue and in the altar room, our spiritual leaders are there, the pastors, the elders of our church. And maybe you need prayer. Maybe temptation's getting the better of you. Maybe you're struggling with your boss or your manager. Maybe you're struggling with you know, some authority. Maybe you're, 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 you're struggling with some adversity and you're not shining very well for the Lord, let us pray for you. We've all been there. It could be that you want to come down here on a Tuesday night. Tuesday night at Celebrate Recovery, this place is just jammed full of people. They're worshiping the Lord, and all of them have recognized that they weren't very good ambassadors for Jesus. And they understood that they were supposed to be a good ambassador for Jesus, And so they said, I'm gonna get some help, man. I'm coming down here. And they gather up with other believers and they sing and they encourage one another. And I want you to know something. Those are some of the finest ambassadors today that you will ever meet for Jesus Christ. Because they recognize I've got this sin in my life. I'm struggling in this area of my life. And man, I just can't get a grip on it. And so they come down here and they say, help. And they find a a church family that says, man, come here, man. I'm going to love you and I'm going to care about you. and Let's make you look more like Jesus in this area of your life. And when you start to struggle, you'll have some people that will help you. We all blow it at times, all of us. And maybe you're here right now and you're going, oh, man, I'm blowing it in all three of those areas. That's okay. It's okay. You've come to a friendly place, a safe place that wants to help you and care about you. What's not okay is you walk out of here going, well, you know, I'm still struggling and who cares. That's not okay. But it's okay if right now you're going, man, the Holy Spirit's convicted me and I gotta gotta make some changes in my life. I know my family's watching me and my neighbors are watching, and I'm not a very good ambassador. Come into the altar and let us pray for you. Will you let us do that over in the venue? In fact, let's say those three things together out loud, okay? Here we go. Number one, temptations test my integrity. Number two, authority tests my integrity. And number three, adversities test my integrity. No one's gonna do it perfectly, nobody, nobody, I don't. There are times temptation gets the better of me. There are times when, you know what, I got my troubles with authority. And there are times when adversity hits my life that I'm probably not the greatest ambassador for Jesus. All of us are gonna struggle at times. But this is a place that will help you come alongside of you and tweak your life a little that you might represent him to a greater degree. I want you to stand and just close your eyes for, for a moment. I'm going to ask Pastor Scott to come on up. And I just want you to close your eyes, okay? Just, just close them for a second. I want you to know, family, l- l- listen to me while your eyes are closed. Just l- listen. Listen to me over in the venue. (laughs) I know that we as a church family are are a great ambassador for Jesus Christ. I know it. We we just do a great job. You you guys are incredible people. You love Jesus Christ, you love Him. And I just want to say thank you for representing Christ well. But I also know because of our human nature, we can all get tripped up at times. And if that's you today, please take advantage of the altar room. Take advantage of Celebrate Recovery, our counseling ministries. Let us help you. That you might shine really brightly for God. Scott, would you Would you pray?